Daily Drive is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retail anywhere. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Smith with Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, September 21st. Today, we're catching up with Three Diligence CEO Cullen Hilkeny. The company is helping manufacturers of all sizes in aerospace and defense, consumer products, industrial manufacturing, and automotive understand and adopt digital manufacturing into their operations and products. He says 3D printing, also synonymous with additive manufacturing, has come a long way in recent years, and plenty of use cases exist for scaling of the technology in automotive manufacturing, particularly in areas like R&D, product development, tooling, and the after. Market. Hilkenny also says that long term, we could see a future where it makes sense for dealers to adopt 3D printing technologies in the service lane. It's a long road to get there, but he says today manufacturers like VW, Ford, and others are seeing measurable improvements in manufacturing speed to market and efficiencies in their manufacturing operations. And along the way, gaining deeper insight as a result of the data 3D printing generates and discovering other benefits in areas like supply chain management. How mature are 3D printing technologies and what's needed to scale adoption in the automotive industry? Where in the automotive value chain is it seeing the most adoption and where are future opportunities? And what skills do manufacturers need embedded in their teams to fully harness the power of additive manufacturing? We've reached 3 Diligence CEO Cullen Hilkeny at his office in Hermosa Beach, California. Cullen, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. How are you? I'm really good, Steve. Thanks for asking. It's good to speak with you. Manufacturer these days in all sorts of industries are really operating between this intersection of physical and digital. Industry 4.0, IoT, all of those things are certainly synonymous with that. But 3D printing is as well. Why don't we start today's conversation? If you could level set for our listeners, when you hear 3D printing, what exactly is that? Yeah, good question, Steve. It, it, it's funny because it's a it's a topic and a, a phrase that hasn't actually been universally defined. But the way I think about it, and the way most people think about it, is that it's a synonym for additive manufacturing, and that is the process of number one, taking a computer-aided design file or a CAD file, as it's commonly known, and then feeding that into a machine that builds the part design file additively. Uh, so conventionally, that's one layer at a time. Um, there are kind of new and emerging solutions that uh, don't even necessarily think in terms of layers. Uh, they claim to be layer-less technologies, but those are the two through points, CAD file and then building in a additive fashion. How mature is the technology and how prevalent is its use in automotive? So in terms of the uh, maturity of the technology, it is still kind of early days as far as its overall mass market adoption. I think that uh, kind of goes without saying, but at the same time, it's growing really fast and it has crossed that threshold into being used for production applications. So whereas uh, the better part of the last 30 years, the kind of core focus was on prototyping, and then really in the last decade, it's transitioned to increasing uses for tooling. 
It's really just in these last few years where it is starting to be used in production and aftermarket capacities for, for end use applications. And that's really where we are. Uh, we've transitioned out of the phase where we're trying to get into production materials and applications. And now we're really kind of dialing in on speed and also material selection so that uh, all the production applications people want to use 3D printing for, 3D printing is actually eligible to be used and it makes good financial sense. You talk about production tools, you talk about aftermarket. Can you talk about some use cases in particular? And I think, why don't we start with production? Because there's there's the production of parts themselves, but I have to believe that some of this technology is used in the stamping, the dyes, the tools themselves to make the production parts. Is that accurate? Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, I think uh, the, the history of 3D printing uh, – it started with prototypes and then graduated into tools uh, as the second step, because as you think about just kind of regulatory constraints, and again, a lot of the, 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 the history of 3D printing started in the aerospace and medical fields, and it's now working its way increasingly into places like automotive and, and energy and consumer products, industrial products. Um, and the reason for that is that medical and, and, and aerospace could uh, take on the kind of significant R&D costs. They didn't have the same uh, downward pressures uh, for mass market pricing that automotive, uh, for instance, experiences. And so um, so as you touch on, the, the kind of easy places to make those expenditures or in the prototyping phase where you can spend that money. And then also for these tooling applications where you are creating customized tools, jigs, fixtures uh, for an assembly line, it speeds up the process. It actually cuts down costs because you don't have to send out uh, for those tools um, and, and go through a long and extended process of, of designing for those. Instead, you can use your CAD design system. You can rapidly iterate the tool that you want, uh, and then you can go ahead and print it out uh, very, very quickly. You talk about cost efficiency. You talk about timing efficiency. Can you provide some real numbers? What kind of benefits are we looking at? 5%, 10%, 15%? Can you give our audience a bit of a general uh, benchmark of what kind of efficiencies they would be looking at if they were looking at scaling 3D printing within their organizations? Well, okay. So like if we're talking specifically about the tooling application, for instance, um, one of the examples that I think uh, has gotten a bit of attention is in Volkswagen Auto Europa. And in their particular case example, they had uh, used a bunch of actually desktop 3D printers to produce tooling equipment uh, at their factory in Portugal. And uh, in the course of that particular effort, they cut their cost by 90%, where they reduced their lead times from weeks uh, for tooling production costs, just a few days. Uh, so for instance, like one good example that got attention was a liftgate badge. Uh, they said it used to take 35 days to develop using traditional manufacturing cost up to 400 euros. With 3D printing, same tool gets produced in four days at a cost of just 10 euros. So depending on your particular applications, the, uh, the returns can be really, really significant. And that is the emphasis on the tooling phase as the technology continues to speed up and improve, uh, those opportunities uh, are increasingly opening up for production applications. 
Let's talk about the end of the value chain, the other end of the value chain, service, parts, maintenance, aftermarket. Are we getting to a point where we are printing replacement parts in the service bay in response to you know, an alternator going out? And, and maybe that's a bad example. Replacing motor mounts. Are we talking to a are we getting to a point where this technology is gooding enough to to have that type of speed and application at a dealership in the service bay? Uh Close, not really there yet. Uh, I think that's for a few reasons. Um, so for starters, if, when you say that, I, I'm typically thinking in terms of our mass market vehicles. And the uh, practical realities are that people are still getting comfortable with the notion of 3D printed parts. A lot of the aftermarket parts already have pre-existing tooling that exists that can be reused uh, to create these parts. And so the, the, the value proposition of printing those on demand are fairly limited. Now there is a key exception to that. And that's when you talk about the classic car market, for instance, where uh, those tools that were used to make these parts uh, may have long since been lost, right? At, at some point along the, uh, the last several decades, the value proposition for somebody to keep this tool hanging around and, and any kind of expertise to kind of use it and create these aftermarket parts just the demand for those parts got so low that the need to keep that tool hanging around basically disappeared and in that kind of scenario um you see examples of printed spare parts so porsche for instance 3d prints uh multiple spare parts for its classic cars uh and, and that's not uncommon um when we're talking about the classic car world and it's coming to mass market, but again, there's just more validation and frankly, more um, improvement from an economic standpoint that 3D printing still needs to accomplish before that ROI is gonna make sense and the company's gonna make the strategic decisions to not use legacy uh, technologies to make parts at scale, but instead say, hey, we're leaning into 3D printing and that's what we're gonna use uh, at a production level and also at a spare part level. Well, as these things go, you also test these and perfect them in niche markets and the cost comes down as a derivative of that. You look at racing, you look at high-end electronics that that gradually become more affordable to everyday consumers. This seems to be following that same path. And to your point, the classic car market is booming, has been for, for a long time now. So a great part of the value chain to test and perfect this type of technology. Question, safety, quality trade-offs for 3D printed products versus stamped traditional manufacturing products. Any trade-offs? Any things to consider? Uh, yes and no. So, I, I, I mean, I, to, to what we've said so far on the uh, podcast here, automakers are being smart about how they're utilizing 3D printing. 3D printing absolutely can and often does meet and even exceed the performance of traditionally cast or, or even forged parts. Um, however, uh, that's not always the case. You can't take somebody's desktop printer and then uh, plug in a design, print it out and say, this is gonna be just as good as the thing that I grabbed from the OEM. That's just not the case. Uh, so, so it's a classic yes and no question. Can 3D printing, like? I think one of the things that we didn't touch on right at the outset in defining 3D printing is 
I hope uh, your audience process like how broad that definition is. Anything that's fed in via a CAD and built uh, in an additive capacity is defined as 3D printing. But within 3D printing, there are many, many subfamilies and uh, different OEMs when it comes to the actual hardware of these 3D printers. And these 3D printers are all capable of doing different things. And so some we're going to give you a part that's fully dense. Some are going to give you a part that's 92 to 98% dense. And I'm talking about metal in that particular capacity. And then you've got a whole polymers world to go with where there's thermoplastics, there's resins. There's just a whole world of 3D printing. And so it's hard to make those big, big generalizations. Um, but suffice to say, you are not necessarily making any kind of a trade-off from a, um, a quality or a performance standpoint when you go into 3D printing. In fact, if uh, a part has been properly designed for 3D printing, you can actually see significant performance improvement. We'll be right back with more. As online experiences exploded this past year, it was clear dealers needed an approach that kept them in business for the long term. Chris Walsh, Casey Edwards, and Dave Bates, Top Reynolds executives, sat down to discuss today's digital retailing landscape. Here's an excerpt from that roundtable discussion. So what are dealers trying to do to get this fully online and online to in-store experience? I mean, that's a great question. And honestly, it's, a, it's kind of a hard one to answer because retailers are kind of defining and using digital retailing differently. You know, to some dealers, it's selling a car. To other, it's sales and F&I. And they, they tend to be approaching it in chunks versus, you know, kind of a holistic, holistic approach. And then you end up just focusing on one or two things when you need to focus on, you know, more of a big picture. Digital retailing is dealership operations, period. Reynolds' Retail Anywhere approach focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this big-picture, holistic approach, visit reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retail anywhere. So the technologies have come a long way. More and more use cases are becoming prevalent. Where are the future opportunities to scale this technology and what's the value proposition to embrace 3D printing at scale? Yeah, so um, let's let's talk about you know value proposition of 3D printing. Uh, I, I tend to think there are kind of five key components of, of where the, the value proposition rests. Um, one, faster to market, right? If, if you are, uh, embracing 3D printing as central to your R&D loop, you can very quickly iterate in a, in a CAD. You can print those parts out very quickly. You can significantly reduce the kind of design cycles that you go through to the extent you want to keep with the kind of legacy uh, time periods for major change, minor change. Uh, what you can do is iterate more right? You can pick off additional cycles. So you really nail that design. Um, That's one. The the second is the customizability, right? As we talk about aftermarket parts, um, the economies of scale in 3D printing, it's not that, as is sometimes talked about, economies of scale is unit of one. That's not really true because there is always kind of an R&D, a non-recurring engineering expense that goes into printing a part. But the point is, you don't have anywhere close to the same levels of infrastructure investment, tooling investment to get a part. And so 
Uh, what that opens the door to is a ton of additional customization for people. And in addition to that, performance gain potential too, uh, where we are doing design concepts that you might never even consider touching in, in old days, number one, because the legacy technology couldn't handle it. But number two, to try something so crazy might be extraordinarily expensive and risky, and, and this de-risks that uh, component. Um, the, the last two pieces are, are around uh, inventory management and supply chain control. So from an inventory management standpoint, the long-term opportunities, we talk about dealers um, listening to the podcast, there may not be the same need to stock nearly as many parts because if you could print them on demand, that eliminates the need for a lot of carrying costs and, and, and safety stock requirements. And then lastly, control over your supply chain. You can imagine what that does if you can move uh, aspects of your production closer to the end user and in fact have control to an extent over the actual production that takes place and not be as dependent upon third party um, manufacturers, you know, tier ones, tier twos, tier threes down the line, but instead say, hey, we can go ahead and bring more of this uh, production in-house. That's something that that automotive uh, manufacturers are looking at as well. So if you're stamping, if you are, you know, if you're doing forge type of products and you need access to the raw materials, be they, uh, you know, steel or be they uh, aluminum or other raw materials that are made in these materials, are there are there supply chain benefits or implications by moving to 3D printing? I think the chip shortage has, again, revealed vulnerabilities in the supply chain. I think folks are talking about potential supply chain risk vulnerabilities in the in the in the industry's push to electric vehicles. Uh, understand that is out, you know, a little bit outside of what we're speaking about. But when you apply that type of exposure to the supply chain and you talk about the raw materials that are at the core of those pieces. Is there a supply chain raw material benefit that comes from making a push or scaling 3D printing in your organization? Maybe. Um, it's not It's not uh, 100% clear cut. Um, as I think about uh, that particular question, you talk about uh, some of the issues here with uh, our chip shortage. And chips are not something that are readily printed with 3D printers. There's a lot of good research that's being done there, but that's not an area that's been heavily commercialized. So you can't say, hey, we've got a quick fix here. If we just leaned in on 3D printing, you know, chip shortage disappears. Um, I will say, as you come back to the other opportunities that do exist, though, as we talk about inventory and uh, the, need, the ability to reduce inventory or to quickly pivot, all of those things uh, maybe do open the door a little bit to 3D printing, where we say, um, you know, well, we, we allocate an awful lot of aluminum or steel or whatever towards uh, particular parts that maybe there wasn't as much demand for as we originally anticipated. One of the nice things about 3D printing is your feedstocks are, are typically wires or powder, and uh, you feed them in the machine, you get your outputs, and there's very little waste. Um, involved in that process, certainly relative to, for instance, uh, a milling application or a turning application, just not the same levels of scrap, uh, typically. Uh, and again, we're getting into the rabbit hole here of how many different ways of 3D printing there are. And, um, and I think we'll touch on later opportunities for people to kind of dig in, learn a little bit more about this. Uh, I'll, I'll try and generalize. But 
to the original question, like, is there a big opportunity for material arbitrage with 3D printing? I don't see it being huge, but I do see the flexibility benefits and the general reduction in waste that we see from 3D printing as a somewhat of an opportunity um, when you talk about finite material resources. Talk a little bit about the data that comes from 3D printing and from that process. Certainly, as you talk about, these designs start in CAD, so you certainly have a lot more data to begin with. But how? talk about the data and the benefits, the insights, and maybe some of the improvements that you get in terms of making decisions around your product using data that comes from 3D printing. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you touched on uh, kind of the first one. So the, the 3D printing process, it's a native, natively digital process. Um, so the, the course of producing any of these parts using 3D printing, you're going to be spitting off tons of data from that machine. You're going to know if uh, there are irregularities in the course of that printing process that may or may not have a, an impact on the, the end quality. And so in that respect, you may be able to kind of uh, identify issues before they necessarily make it to QA. Um, certainly relative to something like a, a casting, for instance, where you're, you're, you're pouring the mold material into your molds and uh, the, the, the nuance of what's going on inside there, or air pockets or whatnot that are happening, you, you're, you're not going to, you're basically going to be able to see a little bit more in advance um, with the 3D printing process. Um, there are some advancements being done with embedding sensors inside printed parts. It's not as advanced um, as you might imagine. You kind of stop your printing process to insert a sensor, and then you can cover over it as you continue to print. Um, but that is, is, is relatively early stages. I'd say the biggest opportunity for data-driven insights from 3D printing is the fact that as you iterate these designs and you put them in real-world testing environments, you get that data back from the field uh, or, or from your R&D testing lab, and then you can very quickly iterate and move so much quicker um, through your design concepts. And, and if anything is making it into production and there are issues, you can very quickly, again, iterate there instead of having to go out for brand new tooling um, because, hey, we really need to address this issue that's arisen and we've got a mass recall. Instead, you, you've got a degree of flexibility there that says, all right, well, let's just make this minor edit to the design file and then uh, and then you're off and running. And so that really is where I think some of the data uh, can be leveraged uh, by, by utilizing 3D print. So what kind of talent, what kind of skills do employers have to have within their ranks to be successful harnessing the power of 3D printing? Well, you know, I guess it would depend, frankly, on the listener uh, to the podcast and and uh, what they are looking to do of all these kind of use cases we've laid out for 3D printing. I think uh, for starters, one of the things that's really unique about 3D printing is the fact that you are not only setting the shape of an object, but also its material properties on the fly when you're producing uh, a 3D printed part. Um, so, you know, unlike, for instance, machining a part where you got your, your billet, your raw stock, and you're chipping away at it, and the material properties were defined far in advance, with this, you might be melting that powdered metal on the fly, um, or you might be curing that photosensitive resin on the fly as you are making your 3D printed part. So 
some kind of understanding of material science uh, is useful if you're going to try and make these parts and you're not just kind of following the instructions, uh, but you're really trying to drive some innovation or, or, or custom solutions with this. Um, and then also the design thinking, you know, it's just a fundamentally different design thought process when it comes to 3D printing. There are so many geometries that are opened up by this process that you can't frankly achieve uh, using traditional processes. And so um, somebody who's pretty capable in CAD and has good creativity, frankly, in terms of unlearning some of the traditional constraints that um, they faced with cast or, or, or molded or machine parts, and instead really kind of say, well, look at this, we might be able to pull off this crazy geometry or combine many of these sub-assemblies into a single part. Um, you know, that, that creativity, I would say, it would be the, the last ingredient uh, in terms of skill sets. So I'm listening to our conversation. I'm an executive at an automotive company, and I'm thinking about 3D printing and how to best embrace it for my organization. Where do I start? Well, I'll tell you what, um, you know, particularly if you're based in the United States, uh, 3 Diligent has been a, a long-term member of America Makes. That's the National Institute for Added Manufacturing Innovation. They have uh, really kind of carried the torch uh, in terms of the, the government's investment in additive uh, for the U.S. And, and they regularly have calls to invest in next generation uh, research when it comes to 3D printing. I think a lot of what they do is is great. I think if you're looking for a better understanding of uh, of the different processes and their trade-offs, uh, I'd like to think uh, our team over at 3Diligent, uh, and in particular our procurement solution products, uh, 3Diligent.com slash products, P-R-O-D-E-X. That one has um, got a lot of good information about the processes and the materials that are available. And then in terms of general news, if you're looking for uh, insights on where this is being used and uh, what different leaders in the industry are doing. Uh, 3dprintingindustry.com, 3dprint.com, fabaloo, uh, F-A-B-B-A-L-O-O.com. Each of those are, are, are pretty good uh, at tracking the developments in this industry and uh, highlighting some of the successes in the way this technology is being used across industries. Cullen, thanks so much for spending time with me today and sharing with our audience your point of view with 3D printing. Certainly a lot has been done, but based on, on what you're saying, there's certainly a lot of opportunity ahead. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure, Steve. Thanks so much. That's Daily Drive for Tuesday, September 21st. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash daily drive. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs>